This is Ed Cohen, your broadcast host on GlobalRadioTalkShow.com, a broadcast service of Global HR News and GlobalBusinessNews.net. Today, our special guest is Angela Lane, an author of a new book, and we're going to talk about that book, and it's all about performance. Angela Lane is based in Chicago. She's a vice president of Global Talent for a multinational organization, a Fortune 100 company. In the past, she was an executive with Sarah Lee and also Avon in the New York area. So let's say hello to Angela Lane. Hello, Ed. How are you today? Yes, great. Thanks for being our guest on GlobalRadioTalkShow.com. Okay, so you have a brand new book out and you authored it with Sergey Gorbachev. Is that correct? That's right. Sergey and I have been commenting on areas of performance, development, performance feedback for a number of years. We've co-authored many papers and uh, finally had enough to make a book. Okay, so the book is about employee performance or managerial performance or both? Well, both in the sense that one of the things we argue is that it is incredibly difficult nowadays for any good leader to really lift their performance, the performance of their team, if they aren't able to give great feedback to their team members. And it's only through that process that we can really improve productivity, develop our people, have them engaged, and have them really contribute to the business. So that's the, that's the premise in a nutshell. Okay. And so what's the book title? The title is Fair Talk, Three Steps to Powerful Feedback. It's available on Amazon, and you can go there and check it out. Okay, so once again, it's called Fair Talk, Three Steps to Powerful... Powerful Feedback. Feedback. Okay, and so what does Fair Talk mean? So one of the things that the research tells us, which is really, really important, is that actually people don't dislike feedback. They will respond well. They can improve their performance, but there need to be certain conditions. And one of the conditions is that people perceive the feedback and its delivery to be fair. So we tried to look at the science, look at the research, and deconstruct that. What would it take for me to figure that I'd been treated fairly and therefore respond in a good way to feedback, respond by lifting my performance and deciding to take on new skills? So it's uh, it's a formula for talking in ways that are fair, leave people feeling satisfied, and as a result, they'll lift their performance. So there's no debate feedback matters, but how do employees view feedback? Great question, because one of the myths of feedback is that people don't like it. And in part, that's true, uh, but it's much more complicated than that. We both, we have a funny relationship with feedback. We both dislike it. And in fact, there's great research that shows that people will go to some length to sometimes avoid getting feedback. Uh, but on the other hand, we crave it. Um, and we really have this need to know how we're, we're going. And the difference seems to be whether or not you can get the delivery right. So we spent a lot of time researching why is it that people mess up the delivery? So feedback is a hot-button social issue, is it or isn't it? Well, it's certainly a hot 
topic in our HR industry. There's no doubt about that. If you were to pick up any of the literature in this area at the moment, there's really disparate views on whether we should be giving more, less, having reviews, not having reviews, doing it frequently, doing it formally, informally, lots of debate in HR. But it's also impacted by, I think, a broader debate in society about how free people are to give opinions, express views, challenge others. So it's it's a hot topic. You're right. I'm thinking about this for a second. So, you know, please help me if I'm off target. But a manager such as yourself would think of all this as engagement. But would the employee tend to think that this is about belonging? I think the employee will, if it's done well, will think about it in terms of, I do work, which is really important. One of the things that we spend a lot of time stressing is the importance of an employee knowing why it matters, why their contribution matters, why their behavior matters. Um, so they'd know that it was uh, that it was important and they would be motivated to learn something new in order to do their work better because it's important. So I think they would they would find it motivational if it's done well. Well, okay, so let's go a little bit deeper now and talk about the risk of saying too little, either you or the employee, and how that relates to the disruption going on in business with the worry about robots, artificial intelligence, blockchain. I mean, it's crazy stuff. I don't even know what it all means. I don't know what uh, what those things mean either, I have to say. But what I do know is that it is because, it is exactly because of those things that feedback is so important. You know, if you think 50 years ago, leaders, managers like you and I have, have been in those roles, when you wanted to improve performance, you looked to technology to, to do it. Your production line, manufacturing processes, people worked with technology and you could change the technology to increase performance. Now the variable that is available to us is how do I increase the performance of the worker because the technology is stuff that most of us managers don't know enough about to influence anymore. Uh, but I can certainly influence my workers' ability to get the job done, have great behaviours, lift their performance, and that's why you know feedback matters so uh, so much. What we do know though is that if we don't do it, if leaders don't take responsibility to give feedback, employees can't be expected to know where they most need to improve. One of the facts of human uh, performance is we're really bad judges of our uh, of our own performance. We are inclined to think that we are either better or worse at things than other people will assess us. We're not really terrifically self-aware. So we need someone, in this case our leader, to really help us out by telling us what we could do differently that would really help us be more successful. So is this generational? I mean, does it matter? The young people, old people in the workforce? That's another great question. And the answer is, you know what? Not really. Uh, there is a lot of talk about millennials and, and, you know, they're different and they have different needs. And, you know, really the research and, and the work we've been able to reference suggests that this is a topic where people see it in an incredibly common way. Old, young, we want to be treated fairly. 
We want to be treated with respect. Uh, if we're able to improve and someone can help us, we want to be helped. You know, all of that doesn't uh, only apply uh, to people who are millennials. All of us want to feel like that in our workplaces. So it's a, a fascinating topic and we're, I think, inclined to look for generational explanations, but really we all want to be treated well at work. We all want to be told where we stand and we want to be helped to be better. So people, uh, especially younger people, have a lot of choice now. Younger people have skills that older people don't, tech skills for the most part but they think they can get a better job down the street. So they think about gigs, right? And so, yep, they do. Um, so would the younger people value giving feedback to you? Well, it's, so, it's really interesting. If you think about the gig economy, it's actually feedback rich. You know, if you go on Yelp, you can give somebody stars, you can rate your Uber driver, you name it. In, in the gig economy, feedback actually flows. In, in ways that don't tend to happen in typical, in typical workplaces. One of the things that we know is that young workers, tech workers, gig workers actually, again, respond really well to feedback if it's given well. So some people aren't giving feedback the way you want it. So how come? We did a study on, on this because we had the same question. If it is proven, and it is, that feedback helps people perform, get better, lift their productivity, why aren't leaders doing it? Isn't that kind of our job? So we uh, we did a research study where we actually used groups of HR professionals and asked them to relate us the reasons why feedback is not being given. And it led to some really interesting observations. Accountability challenge. It's not my job. So that's, there's a whole bucket of reasons around it. Not my job. There are a lot of people who say, you know what, it is my job, but I don't have the skills. So a lot of uh, reasons we hear that are around people's capabilities, leaders feeling they don't have the skills. The third and biggest reason, though, that we came across in our research was that people knew it was their job. They actually had the skills to do it, but just before they did, something got in the way. And that something was either rational or emotional. On the emotional side, it's, hold on a minute, I don't want conflict, this is embarrassing, I'll feel awkward. So kind of hold of emotional reasons why we stop ourselves, even though we should, can do it. Also, though, this other set of kind of rational reasons, things like, I don't want my employee to resign. I know I should do this, but I'm worried I'll demotivate them. Or, you know what, um, I could do this, but it just takes too much time. So lots of um, rationalizations, I would say, that mean that people either won't do it, don't believe they're skilled to do it, or want to, but really feel that they uh, they can't get themselves over the line. So a lot of work for HR. How would you describe bad feedback? Bad feedback, there's a number of things that make bad feedback bad. Uh, And the first one I have to say is feedback that is baffling to the employee. What do I mean by that? You know, when I'm given feedback that's not useful or helpful to me. So, Ed, you could imagine if you were my manager telling me that I just needed to be smarter. What does that mean? That's kind of not useful. Um, Brutal feedback, you know, uh, talking to people in ways that are disrespectful, not um, not having a belief 
that everyone's trying their best, has, has a good intention, but, you know, somehow hasn't learnt what they need to learn yet. That would be another example, so feedback that's brutal. And the final piece of feedback that we see is what you might call bogus feedback. It's when people are giving you wrong information, wrong feedback, um, for reasons of their own. So, yeah, bad feedback, it's baffling or it's brutal or it's bogus. Yeah. So, you know, i got a question here. Are managers like yourself, I'm sure not you, but perhaps others, you're afraid to hear the truth? All of us have a self-perception and it's always hard to hear anything that disrupts that self-perception that we have. And, you know, as I mentioned, you know, our awareness, our self-awareness is not high. So it isn't difficult for somebody to give us feedback that is inconsistent with how we view, uh, we view ourselves. But here would be my analogy for both the employee and their leader. I don't know about you, Ed, but I don't like to go to the dentist, but I do. And when the dentist tells me that I have a cavity, I need a filling, I may not be happy about that, but I can be satisfied. I can be satisfied that the assessments are accurate. I can be satisfied that the solution is a good one. And I can be satisfied that um, I've been told fact-based objective with my best interests at heart and not made to feel like a jerk for not cleaning my teeth properly. Feedback at work is kind of the same. It can be done with my interest at heart. It can be done in ways that are fact-based and objective. And you don't have to make me feel like a jerk for having got something wrong. So you're not wearing rose-colored glasses, are you? I hope not on this uh, on this topic because we see so frequently that things, um, you know, that people don't give feedback. So clearly it is tough and I don't want to oversimplify it. But what we know is that for managers, for leaders that actually embrace the challenge of learning the skill and uh, of giving feedback, they actually have a source of competitive advantage. So what's happening there? Why is that? The skill of developing others and giving feedback is actually really rare. If you took a group of executives and you measured them, all of them, uh, if they've been successful, would have a great reputation for getting things done and action orientation. We see that a lot in successful people. Very few have the skill of developing others. So if you're one of those leaders that decides to embrace this and learn it, you actually have a point of difference. You will differentiate yourself from your peers and you will stand out. So uh, my road-colored glasses are kind of uh, for those that are ambitious, for those that want to get ahead, they'll do this and they'll do it well. So what about fear of conflict? You know, the social environment is a little weird. Is there fear of workplace violence developing out of all this? I don't know about workplace violence. We certainly did some... Uh, research and our what was in our minds at that time was it was the hashtag me too and some of those types of tensions in the workplace in in uh, whether it was equal pay or other sorts of things which just meant the workplace environment was a little more fraught and we asked the question now is this going to impact whether people give feedback and the answer came uh, came back, and perhaps not unexpected. Everybody mm. believed that 
feedback would be less frequent because people were concerned about the sort of broader, you know, um, social or political kind of climate. And that's really, um, that's really worrying because, again, if I can use an analogy, if I knew something about you, uh, something that could help you, something that could make you be successful, and I chose not to share it, that would be kind of, I, I would argue that it would almost be a kind of an unethical thing to do. And yet people are saying, you know what, in this environment, I don't feel like I can share something, even if I think it can help someone. I need to uh, go a little deeper here. Are managers trained on how to do, quote unquote, how to do feedback? Do leaders have experience in in doing this or is it kind of winging it? Because I'm the manager and I get a right to ask. But is there a, a right way and a wrong way? So a couple of things there. There is uh, There are certainly better ways and worse ways. But if you ask that, uh, that question, are managers trained? Do they feel they have the skills? It depends. The answer is it depends who you ask. If you ask the manager, if you ask the leader, uh, according to some research that we did, why, you know, what stands in the way of them getting feedback, they will self-report that they don't feel that they have been equipped by HR to do it well. And as a result, they say, you know what, rather than risk doing it badly, we won't do much at all. If you were to ask an HR community the same question, they're a little more cynical, I have to say. They think that it is that even with training, managers won't give feedback because they fear conflict. So really interesting research finding. How I interpret that though, and I'm you know thinking of my HR colleagues here, if leaders don't believe they're trained, even if that's a rationalization, as HR we have to remove the excuse, which means we need to train more. How is this done? How is feedback best done? Yeah. It is obviously ideal if you can give feedback in person. It's obviously ideal if you can give it, you know, in the moment. That would be that would be great. It would be ideal if you could do it, you know, in an environment that was conducive where you could have a, a conversation. That's not our business reality. I think, you know, we'd all say, you know, most of the time we've got people who are, you know, virtual, maybe they're working from home, maybe they're colleagues globally, or many of us have global teams. And it's always video or it's always a phone. Um, I, I think that matters less than whether we have a really good framework for saying what we need to say. Because if we can get out what we need to say, even if the environment is not ideal, we've at least taken the first step in helping someone improve. Yeah, well, constructive criticism. So uh, so this is all about making it easy for people to do well, isn't it? It is, and we think we think we can make it easy. We think one of the things that stops people giving feedback is people have come along and made it incredibly complicated. We have to be coaches, and we have to be player coaches, and we have to be, I don't know, all sorts of things. And we think it's a lot more simple. We think that there are some characteristics that make feedback good and that if you build that framework into your thinking, you can actually get really good at this really quickly. Good feedback means that somebody knows, step one, you know, why is this important? Why is this topic that we're going to discuss even important to me? Why is it important? How are they doing? We often just are not straightforward with people on how they're standing today, how they're doing today. And finally, 
as a result of that, we've got this important thing. This is how you're going versus my expectations. Final step, here is what you need to learn. Three simple steps. Three simple steps. Okay, what are they? <laughs> Three simple steps. So the first one is tell me why it matters. People are very, very responsive if there is a rational reason for, for doing something, for making a change. There's some great research now, many years, that shows that people, if you give them a good reason to change, they will actually do so. So tell somebody why this topic is important. Be straightforward about how someone's going. Are they meeting your expectations? Are they exceeding your expectations? Do they need to improve? You have to put that out there because if you don't put it out there, people don't know where they stand. And finally, third step, tell them what they need to do. And we would always say, couch that in terms of what do you need to learn? So I'm looking at uh, an excerpt here in, in your book um, about what the famous consultant Peter Drucker once said. Yes. And I'm going to quote, so just please uh, quickly comment when I'm done. Peter Drucker predicted what we now know to be true innovation, creativity, and human performance provide the premium that the market rewards. And he says a great share of that premium is available to today's companies that decide to drive a culture of open communication and feedback. I love the work of Peter Drucker. I mean, this was writing that in some cases were the late 50s, early 60s. He was already predicting the fact that the world would change so much. Things would become so complex uh, that the only way a leader would be able to increase performance and drive productivity would be if they could lift the performance of every person that worked for them and you know I, I think it just was remarkable showed remarkable foresight to be able to look into the future and say you know what what's so important today is the individual skills that everyone brings and when you think of how tough the talent market is how difficult it is to get good people how difficult it is to keep them um, having them engaged having their performance improved developing them so important, not only to performance, but to their motivation and engagement. When I look at the title, Where Has All the Feedback Gone, I immediately think, not because I'm a musician, but I immediately think back, and I'm going to show that I'm a boomer here, but I immediately think back to the song, Where Has All the Flowers Gone? <laughs> Peter, Paul, and Mary. So where has all the feedback gone? So what's the uh, implications of all this for global business? So lots of implications for, for global business. If we're living in a complex global environment and because of the complexity, feedback, communication, helping people get better, if that's so important to performance, anything that means that we do less of that has the, runs the risk of decreasing the success of the individual leader and the success potentially of, uh, of companies. You mentioned global business though. Feedback is difficult. 
We believe that there is a simple way of structuring feedback so it's impactful, but there are considerations and complexities that come from companies that deal with people in different cultures. And I know that that's always a topic of interest to your listeners and to your readers. They're very aware that we live in a global world and there are some nuances to that simple formula for feedback that I've given that you'd want to take aware of, uh, you know, be aware of if you were dealing with people from other cultures. So we've been talking and learning from Angela Lane, VP Global Talent with a multinational company, a Fortune 100 organization based in the Chicago area. Angela, uh, thank you so much for your time and your knowledge here, and good luck with the book. Once again, it's Fair Talk, Three Steps to Powerful Feedback. Great. And it's available on Amazon, right? That's absolutely right. Ed, thank you so very much. Thank you. We'll be back to you soon. And I look forward to having this kind of a conversation with you at our Chicago lunch on October 2. I look forward to being there. Great. Have a good summer. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is Ed Cohen signing off from San Diego, globalradiotalkshow.com. Yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful